As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Get your pen ready, your paper ready, however you do it. Anybody doing old school like notes? Let me see. Mm-hmm. Anybody old school notes? Look at all the old school notes. All right, how many of you got the old school Bible? Like you got a printed Bible with you right now. Let me just see. Oh, you flexing on me now. All right, okay. Uh-huh, all right, let me see. Where's the, where the, the printed Bible at? The holy people? Yeah. All right. The holy people, yeah. It's like seven of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, you started in ministry like a month after you gave your life to Christ. In, is it 1996, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. I gave my life to Jesus January 14th of 96, and I preached my first sermon February 25th of 96. You ain't wasting any time, brother. Come no. on, man. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. And so uh, started doing ministry right away. Yeah. Did, did you have a, an inkling of a call of God on your life before that moment? Or was that was the, was the salvation and the call of God, did it all happen? My right parents here? told me I did. I, I just wasn't interested. Because <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was a battle rapper and... Almost got signed to a deal when I was 16 um, with a label that would have been absorbed by Death Row Records. What? So, so you I were, think I probably got spared by God on that one. I don't um, know. You got a little freestyle in you? Always. I mean, we may as well come out the gate with some of this. I'm not doing it, though. Ah! <laughs> I'm not doing it. That's oh, not what man. I'm here for. <laughs> So, got saved a month yep. later, preached your first sermon. Yep. And, um, yeah, I've been preaching ever since. Been ever 27 since years. Yeah. Yeah, 27 Didn't years. get married till 1999, though. Yes. Juliet, right? You got yes. two amazing boys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, my, I love my wife. She's... How many years now? Uh, May 1st will be 24. Yeah, come on, yeah. y'all give it up. 24, uh-huh. so... And the Lord led you to start a church in... Dallas area in Denton to be exact, right? And actually in Irving. In Irving? Yeah, so there's a little um, zip code in Irving that's been uh, one of the most uh, racially diverse zip codes for like decades. Uh, no ethnicity over 20, 25%. Wow, that is so it's thing. very, very diverse. And he, when I moved from California to the, to the south, southwest, um, like I didn't. I didn't know what I didn't know what segregation had done because I was in L.A. So, right. You 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 know about racism, but you don't know about like segregation. Right. Like you know, black people over here and you white people this over there. Restroom yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Like I didn't know about that. I, my mama told me because she was born in Birmingham. And so she did all that. My dad did all that. But like the effects of segregation. So this is decades after right. it but like the black people are still off of i-20 and the white people were like north of 635 and all the hispanics were off of 30 it was somewhere. that segregated when you it was that yeah when, when i moved there in down. 90 in 90s in 97 yes it was wow so but irving intrinsically i knew like the city of irving was always it always felt like la like everybody was everywhere like i was like I got a Mexican neighbor and a black neighbor and a white dude and a Filipino and like, you know what I mean? So it was like really, really diverse. And I love that. I did not know that he would ask us to plant a church there and ensure that the church looked like the community. Mm-hmm. So that was dope. Right. Yeah. So I love that church. So God told you that you ended up planting a church right there in, in Dallas and Irving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, any church planters in the house? Let me see. Raise your hand. Church planters. All right. Yeah. That's the crazy people right there. So. Right. Yeah. If you if you're not if you if God doesn't tell you to plant a church, don't plant one. <laughs> I tell people if there's any other way you can fulfill the call of God and not plant a church, do that. You should because you're 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 about to go get punched in the mouth by like a demonic stronghold and a principality. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to do that without a license. <laughs> Like, no, I know, like, I know some people that, like, go on a vacation to, like, a nice place, and they're like, I want to plant a church here, because I like 
I liked being on vacation there. And I'm like, no, you should just go back on vacation. Because if you plan a church, you're about to get your butt kicked. It's true. Off of a whim. Yeah. You know, so if you don't get a call from God, you shouldn't do nothing. I love that. Yeah. And don't plan a church because you're at a place and under bad leadership and you think the only way to do what God has called you to do is go start your own thing. Yeah, that's... I call that a cancer cell. So you just go in to multiply cancer cells. That's exactly right. Ooh. Yeah, you'll destroy the body quick. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow, you guys just write all that down because you, you need to hold on to that. <laughs> so this ain't a church planting session, but we, we sure covering it. All right. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> in Louisiana, it's what we call lanyap. That just means that's a French word for something extra. Yes. That's, that was lanyap. Lanyap. Right. Yeah. Okay, got so it. So you started Embassy Church. Embassy City Church, yes, Embassy sir. Embassy City Church. In, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tell us about that journey. Um, you know, I was at Gateway, and uh, they, I was there for three and a half years, and they sent me to plant that church. And um, we started in a high school, and uh, miraculously, the Lord gave us a building in six months. And we, we grew, and um, it's, it's, it's the prettiest church I've ever been a part of. Like, I love that church. Like, I love it. Well, you bled for it and gave yeah. everything you could for it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. But how many of you guys are jealous, though? Six months you had a... Had I a did, building? yes. Like, I, I was afraid to show What do you know about church playing? He got a building after six months. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was... Mean, you don't I, even know. I was really afraid to share that testimony on, early on, because that's not everybody's story. And then not I just... Not everybody's. That's nobody's story but yeah. yours. Yeah. Let's just be real. It's true. <laughs> it's very, very true. And then I just realized, like, if I, if, I, if I edit that part of my testimony um, to spare somebody else's feelings, then I'm not very appreciative of what God did for me. Ooh. So yep. I had to say it even right. though that's not everybody's story. But I am jealous. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. praise God, he blessed you. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was my so, story. But a little over a year ago, God began to stir something in you. I, I want to I talk about it. That's what I really want to get in today. Yeah, for sure. Because I believe the, what the Lord spoke to you and the faith journey that you went on is something that we all need to learn from. Yeah, okay. And, and we need to receive from you today because okay. all of us are faced with things that we can stay with what we know and what's comfortable, yep. but God calls us usually to bigger things and to step out of things yep. of where we are into something else. So tell, tell me what led you, uh, this, this whole faith journey, and what stirred you up to ultimately leaving the church. So what had happened was... <laughs> oh no, we know the culprit's sitting right on over there, so... She's trying to duck, but she can't. <laughs> you wore orange, Charlotte. <laughs> so... Um, uh, uh, back in 2021, uh, uh, September is our, our, you know, anniversary month. So the end of the, the, the last Sunday of the month, I bring Charlotte in to come speak. She preaches this great message at the church. And then afterwards she has a prophetic word. Surprising. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, uh, she asked Juliet and I to come up to the front and she spoke this prophetic word to us in front of the whole church. Right. So it wasn't like in well, you got to tell me first. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So she she spoke the whole word to us and, and we received it. We were like, yeah, like because, you know, the Lord is speaking and you think you know what he means. You ever got a prophetic word? and You're like, I know exactly what that means. Uh-huh. Amen. I receive all of that. And then later he's like, here's what it really means. And you're like, that's not what you said to me. Right. Like, that's not what you said. You like this right here. Yeah, exactly. What you say, Lord? So, so we get this word. It's super encouraging. And then four days later, I'm in a hotel room at 5 a.m. in the morning, and the Holy Spirit says, "I need you to go back and listen to the word that I spoke through Charlotte again." So I go back and I pull it up and I listen to it. And the only way I can describe it, I felt like somebody had like overdubbed Charlotte's voice. Because I'm like, she didn't say that four days ago. Like, I was there. She didn't say that. But uh, essentially what God did was he decoded the message. Wow. And when he decoded the message to me in private, what it boiled down to was your season as a lead pastor is coming to an end. Now, I never thought I was going to 
pastor a church for 30 years because I'm I'm very much apostolic, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm 40% tops is me as a pastor. I'm, mm-hmm. an, I'm an apostle. I was sent to build so I could build to send. So I never thought I would do 30 years, but I didn't think I'd be less than 10. Right. You know what I mean? That was kind of shocking. So I started crying. I'm an emotional person anyway, so... I was just like, did I do something wrong? Like, am I getting fired? <laughs> was that like the most polite firing of all time? And then how come you didn't tell Juliet? Because now I got to tell her and she going to fire me too. So, yeah, like, Lord, you got to go tell her. I can't yeah, do that. Yeah, when, when, when only one of your spouses hears a word and you got to go tell the other one, you'd be like, come on, Lord, just talk to us both at the same time. So... Well, why um, didn't God tell me? Yeah. So so I had to tell Juliet from Tulsa. I think the Lord's telling us that our season as pastors is coming to an end. And she was like, okay. Because I was over the phone and I wasn't home. Uh-huh. And then when I got home, she was like, yeah, so say that again. <laughs> And basically, she told me, she said, the way that land, the way what you said landed on me was like, you were telling me that you want me to give one of my kids up for adoption. I said, I get it, but I feel like this is what he said, and we just need to keep praying through it. So we, we prayed through the rest of the year. Um, I talked to uh, Robert Morris, who sent us to plant the church, because I was like, sir. I know you sent this over here and everything, and I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> but the Lord's words are the greatest words of all time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, obedience is better than sacrifice, so I had to go tell him, and he, like, I was, uh, you know, um, your sp- spiritual fathers are weird, because, like, they do stuff, and you just be squinting your eyes, like, why are you, are you even listening to me? And so I was telling him in my heart, like I was pouring out to him, I was like, I, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. And I hope you don't think I wasted your money when you sent me to plant this church. Like, I'm like thinking about all of that. And he, he's eating a salad and smirking. And I, I don't enjoy this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> like, hey, bro, get that smirk off your face, man. I'm, I'm really in my feelings right now. You know what I mean? And so after I get, get done, he's kind of like, Okay. He said, uh, I'm going to tell you two things. He said, the first thing I'm going to tell you is probably going to make you feel bad. He said, um, but the second thing I'm going to tell you is probably going to make you feel real good and you'll probably cry. And I'm like, man, you don't know me like that. <laughs> and he said, number one, first thing, uh, I never thought you were a pastor. And I was like, okay. I agree with you. I don't think so either. You know, he said, number two, I always knew you were an apostle. And he goes, but you had to plant this church because if you're going to be able to help other churches, you had to be Mm. a lead pastor as well. He said, I'm fully behind what you're doing. I don't want you to think that you have wasted my money. This investment is good. This church is going to last and you are going to do what God called Uh you to do. And I support you 100 percent. And I was like, that's why you my dude. (laughs) That's why I mess with you like this, Robert. Let's go. Finish your salad, Let's fam. Let's go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, um, so he, once I had his support and I had Juliet's support, we were just praying about the timing of it. And I thought Juliet wanted us to, our season to end at our 10th year because she's like, she never wants anything to end. So she's like, 10 sounds good. At least it's a good round number. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be 10. I'm like, it's probably going to be eight. So I thought it was going to be like September of this year is when we finished. Right. Um, but when the Lord tells you to start a church, I guarantee he's going to be the one to tell you when to, when to stop. Ooh, that's good. And, uh, and so when we asked the Lord, when do you want us to stop? He was like, December 31st of 2022. And I was like, oh, that's... That's soon. That's soon. <laughs> Where am I going to work? <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know if I, um, I don't think I saved like I was supposed to. <laughs> yes, when you got to go back and see Robert Morris. <laughs> 
It's like, I don't think I read that chapter in The Blessed Life, so. <laughs> what is we going to do, Jesus? And so, um, you know, God tells me who my successor is. And it's a guy that I had been mentoring for like three and a half years, whose name is also Tim. Because God clearly wants our church to be run by Tim's. And um, he's 10 times better than a, as a pastor than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't have planted the church, but I would never grow it like he's growing it. So he's, he's a beast. And, um, and he's my pastor now. Yeah. So he's can, my pastor. Can we, can we talk a little bit yeah. about the, the transition of that when you turned it over to, to Tim? Yeah. And uh, I, I saw the honor and, and with which you did that with and the grace yeah. that you did. And, and it, it speaks to how you leave something. Yeah. And there's a, there's a point in all of our lives where God is calling us to something. We, I'm going to jump back into that, but I want to talk about how you've left this church and what you did with your, with pastor Tim, that you turned it over to. I saw you on that turnover weekend. Yes, sir. And man, the honor, yeah. how you surrendered and submitted yourself Talk about that a little bit. What did you do that weekend? Yeah, so, you know, um, I, I really do believe in the laying on of hands. And because you can see that in Scripture, baton passing is not in Scripture, but laying on of hands is. But that baton passes is symbolic, right? That your leg is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen people pass the baton and keep running. And you just look foolish. Because <laughs> there's nothing in your hand. Yep. And so it's like, just yeah, get, get off the, the track. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... You done. You're done. <laughs> Go away. You know? Um, but I wanted... I handed it over to him, and I knew that this is a... This, is, this was symbolic, but it was also a picture that I know a lot of people were going to see. And so I wanted them to see what, it, what I felt like it should look like. And so I passed the baton to him, but after I passed the baton to him, I kneel in front of him. You did. To let him know and the whole church know that I have fully decreased as this man has fully increased. Mm-hmm. And the moment I handed it to him, it was his. Not like in a few months, you going to grow. Right. And everybody going to know. No. As soon as I handed it to him, that dude was now my senior pastor. I, I sense there's so much honor in the things that you did here. And uh, yeah, you guys give, give Tim a, a hand clap. That's a, we all need to understand this value of honor. Yeah. You honored Pastor Robert. Yeah. And you went and submitted and talked to this whole thing to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, Pastor Robert, here's what I'm feeling. I yeah. don't really know. What do you think? Absolutely. You submitted. You lived like this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ken Clater calls it palms up principle. I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. And just like, this is not mine. I'm not going to hold it, God. And, yeah. And you honored people that helped you get to where you are. That's right. And you also, in the sense of turning it over to Tim, you surrendered to him and said, this is now yours. This is correct. That's absolutely correct. And that honor really sets you up. Really, how you leave one season sets you up for how you enter the next one. Yeah, I, honestly, um, um, submission is the secret sauce to success. I, I have never made a decision that was not submitted to somebody else mm-hmm. in 27 years. It's turned out pretty good for you. Isn't it, it is <laughs> this, it's the reason why I'm successful. Is because I've never made a decision in the silo and then come back and ask somebody to co-sign on a decision I've already made. Mm-hmm. So even, even before I was sent to plant Embassy City, I submitted to Robert that church planting was in my heart. And then I told him, I'm never going to bring it up again until God speaks to you to speak to me. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between laying something down at your coverings uh, feet and burying it. If you lay it down, it's visible. And you can keep pointing to it. Like, remember when I laid that down in front uh-huh. of you? And when are you going to come to and, and are we going to have that conversation again? When you lay something down, it's still visible. When you bury it, you can't see it anymore. Yeah. And, and, and lest a seed See-ball. fall into the ground and die. Your, your vision, it remains alone. Yeah, your vision has to actually die before it can actually grow. So you got to die to what you think this is supposed to be mm-hmm. before God can actually truly show you what he wants it to be. Right. Because if you get what you can think of, then that's not exceedingly abundantly above what 
That, Cause that's the promise. Imagine, cause you're already thinking it and imagining. Yeah, the, the promise is that God will do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. If you can ask it or think it, that's not the way He's gonna do it. Not big enough. If it's if you can ask it or think it, then you can sustain it. Yay, you. I only want to do stuff that I that I can't give no credit to myself for. Like, oh, God has to get all the glory because we ain't smart enough yeah, to do none of this. That's right. Okay, but that leads to a great thing that you lived by in this, and that is you were making a, a, a step of faith, mm -hmm. but it was to something that you said was from what was familiar and what was comfortable to what was unfamiliar and yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, wildly unfamiliar and talk, uncomfortable. Talk about that, because that's a new level of faith, of something that is outside of what you've ever known or even dreamt yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, his name is Byron Copeland. Byron Copeland's a great guy. And he has three kids. I've known his three kids since they were all teenagers. And one of his kids, JB, um, had a uh, podcast with his friend. And they asked me to be on it. And so I was like, cool, the, the young 20-year-olds want the older well, dude to come holler at him. So I, I go do the podcast. And I thought it was good, you know. And then I dapped him up and I was about to leave. And the Holy Spirit was like, I need you to do a podcast. And my immediate response to him was, I'd rather throw a penny in the ocean. <laughs> and I was like, everybody got a podcast. Why would I want to do a podcast? I was like, I'm an introvert. I don't want to do nothing else that's going to put me out there. Like, and I'm, you're telling me to like step down from this church. So my assumption in the stepping down of the church is, I'm about to get my anonymity back. I'm about to get my privacy back. I'm just about to stand behind all of these influential younger guys and help them not be stupid. Because that's really my greatest anointing. <laughs> it is. That's, that's what I do. I help people. You help young people not be stupid. I help people not ruin their lives. Okay. That's my gift. Is I will, if you want to do this for 50 years, I can tell you how to do it for 50 years. If you want to do it for 50 seconds, don't listen to me. <laughs> So um, I, I thought I was about to be Clarence Avon, right? This, this is a guy that like nobody ever heard of. And he's behind like some of like the biggest moves in like media and art and music and all this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking I'm, a, I'm finally about to be anonymous. Yay. And then the Lord's like, start a podcast. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, start the podcast. And I'm mm -hmm. like, hold on. And I call like five people like, do you think I should start a podcast? Because sometimes you get a word from the Lord and you're just not sure. I know uh, probably all of y'all, as soon as he says something, you move, but it, that ain't me. So I, I need consensus. Sometimes I'm Abraham. Most of the times I'm Gideon. <laughs> I need like 15 fleeces. I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this fleece out. If it's wet when everything's dry, then I'll know it's you. Then I come out and it's wet and everything's dry. Then I'm like, I tomorrow, <laughs> if it's purple <laughs> on green grass with one caterpillar on it, I'll know it's you. Next day, purple, green grass with a caterpillar. I'll be like, all right, one more, one moto. One moto. So I... I needed all these confirmations, but then I, I, and then I talked to Juliet about it and I prayed about it and I'm like, I guess I'm starting a podcast. So to tell you like how ignorant I am to all of this, I was like, okay, I'm still thinking that we're going to transition to church this year, right? September of this year. So I'm like, all right, if we start the podcast now, by the time I'm, by the time like September of 23 comes, if we have like 3,000 subscribers, that would be like amazing, right? And then we'll be like, we'll be doing something. <laughs> and then like I'll go on the road and I'll preach and I'll do this podcast. That's what I was thinking. That's my limited yep. view of what I think God's going to do. And um, we pre-recorded all of the first episodes in June. They came out in July while I was on sabbatical. So I had no social media. I didn't know anything that was going on with the podcast. I did go through the worst spiritual attack that I had ever been through mm -hmm. while I was on my sabbatical. And it was all surrounding this podcast because really the enemy wanted me to stop it before it started. Right. 
Um, and and what, the things I was struggling with, the three main things were fear, rejection, and insecurity. Mm-hmm. Now, I, ha- I have struggles. Those ain't them. That's not your struggle. So I was incredibly mad uh, that I was being attacked on my sabbatical and I was being attacked by stuff that's normally not what I struggle with. So I'm like, where is this coming from? And it was, I was, what I was, what he was trying to choke out of me was this this authentic, vulnerable place that I speak from and how I actually speak. So I, there was like, I was like being choked with this fear of like, you're going to be canceled when you come back from this sabbatical because these episodes are going to come out and people are going to hear how you're talking and they're going to cancel you. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to be pissed and they're going to, you're done. Like your church ain't going to want you to be the pastor. The elders have already packed your stuff up. You're dead. And I came back and we had 25,000 subscribers in three and a half weeks. What? And I started crying, like ugly crying. Like, Uh God, what is happening? Lord, this is amazing. And then after I finished like snot ugly crying, then I was like, yeah, Satan, you ready now? Oh, because he overstepped you, like you punched me with no context. And now I know why you did it. And now it's on. Mm-hmm. So I came back and I, I just, you know, I, I have I'm from L.A. I'm from Inglewood. So I got that little you got that, that, that flinch. Yeah. Hey, fool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> you might win, but it, but you're going you're going to feel it first. So you know what I mean? You're going to know I, was I might lose this fight. But you gonna know you was in one, like you know what I mean. So, so I but had this spiritual warfare thing. So you, yeah, you got a word from God. I did, and then God confirmed it with other people. He did, and then you went away on a sabbatical, and the devil came at you hard. Hard, man. It was hard. So when you make faith steps, yep, leaving what is comfortable, yeah, what is known to yep. what is unknown, yeah, you've got confirmation from people, yeah. You can expect opposition. Oh, absolutely. And so what did you do in the spiritual sense? Mm-hmm. Because we're all facing that kind of opposition with yeah. different things. What did you learn through all of that with, with fighting back and spiritual warfare? Yeah, I, so I learned what, what happens when I, get under, when, I, when I wind up under intense spiritual attack. Like worship music has to be on at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to go to like my... my go-to scriptures in the word because once you have a word to stand on it's like i'm ready for anything now Mm -hmm. right so i gotta have a word from his word and um um, first first samuel 17 when david uh gets ready to go fight goliath he says something that's super profound that kind of helped me with my confidence because when i i came i I used to be a battle rapper i was a stand-up comic all before i got saved so when I, when I gave my life to Christ, I was always, what I would always get as feedback and critique is, you're a little arrogant. Like, you just need to be a little more... Tone it down a little bit. Tone it down a little bit. You're kind of arrogant. <laughs> I think you're operating in some pride, son. You know? And then I'm like, am I though? You know what I mean? I'm checking my heart. But then I read 1 Samuel 17, and, and David says something that became like my anchor. He, he runs out to Goliath after he picks up his stones and he goes, uh, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. <laughs> and the birds are going to have a feast on the bodies of you and your friends. <laughs> it's pretty gangster. Yeah. And what I, what I learned is that David knew that he can't conquer anything. Because I'm a a literalist, so I really slow down when it comes to words. David knew I can't conquer anything. And he also knew God's not killing anything. Which means God has a part to play. And David has a part to play. Wow. Today, God's going to conquer you. What he's left me with is killing you. (laughs) And I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you exactly how. I'm going to cut your head off. Right? (laughs) And he cuts his head off and he brings it to Saul and he shows it to him, which is gangster, right? <laughs> he shows him his head and he just wants Saul to know you, you were intimidated by the voice that was coming out of this head for a month and a half. 
What I want you to know is you may still hear his voice in the back of your head. I just want you to know he ain't got no body to come after you with. So I like killing stuff. <laughs> That's what I realized. I'm like, nervous. All that hood. <laughs> you looking at me like that with that twitch well, in your well, eye. Well, <laughs> I do. I like killing stuff. I, I like killing stuff in me and I like killing stuff in others. So I like killing pride and I like killing arrogance and I like killing egos and I like I've had to do it in me and I like to do it in other people that will let me. Mm-hmm. That will let me. You got to give but me see, permission you to do so. you're going some stuff today because yeah. the devil, when he came at you, it wasn't to stop you from where you were. No, it was not. It's from where you were going. And you didn't even know it yet, but he did. He knew it. He so knew it. And so, because here's the thing. So, you know, 27 years of ministry, you know, I was a young adult pastor and I, I was a youth evangelist and a young adult pastor and then uh, a associate pastor, a campus pastor, and then an executive pastor and then, and then a lead pastor. So for 27 years, I've gone from one boat to another, right? This last call was to come out of the boat and to stand on the water with Jesus. And then I was like, okay, well, what boat is next? And he was like, there is no other boat. <laughs> you're just going to stand out here on the water with me. What? And you're going to talk to everybody in the boats as they come by. He said, but you're going to stand out here in this water with me. You're not getting back no in boat. nobody else's boat. Okay. So he took me out of nonprofit into for profit. I pay taxes. I make a, <laughs> I make a lot of money. And I you pay, pay my a taxes, lot of taxes. And I pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> and, um, and I get to make moves that I couldn't make if I was a lead pastor. And everybody thinks that lead pastoring is like the, lead, the end all. Like this is the apex. This is Mount Olympus. And it's, it's not if God says it's over. Like being a lead pastor is only good as long as he says stay there. Right. If he says it's over and you stay there, it ain't going to be good no more. Right. You can yeah. stay there, but if he's not there... You're going to turn into Saul. Right? This, yep. is, why, this is why David in, in Psalm 51 begs. Right? You know, do not take your spirit from me. Because mm -hmm. I saw what it did to my boss. <laughs> and it was not cute. He started yeah. throwing javelins at me. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I had to get out of there. So I don't want to be any place where God isn't. And right now, God is telling me to stand on the water. And he's bringing me, he's just bringing fish to me. But that was un that was new territory for you. I've, I ne you could have never paid me to believe this would be my life right now, like ever. One hundred percent podcaster. That's yeah, that's weird. I'm still getting used to that. Like, uh -huh. somebody asked me, like, "What do you do for a living?" And I was like, "I'm a podcaster." <laughs> it was so weird to say. It was just so weird to say. Like, I'm a podcaster. And they were like, what's the name of the pod? And I was like, the basement. And they were like, is it any good? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me that. But it was, it was your, the finishing. It, I'm sure it was hard work for you because the Lord put all of that in your heart. And you still pastored that church. I did. For another year. Had to, yeah. After that. Yep. And you remain faithful with where you were until yeah. it was time to close the door on that. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, so many times when we get a vision about what is next. Right. That we're ready to drop the ball on where we are. Right. Yeah, no, you can't and, do that. And that's part of the finishing well where you are. That's right. Because it, it is a setup for where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, so good. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people from the outside looking in, they actually think, I've heard them say this, they actually think I left uh ministry because a podcast a podcast blew up but they don't know the timeline mm -hmm. right like the lord told me my season was coming to an end and then we prayed through all of that so september is when he gave us the word april is when he told us to start the podcast uh may is when i de decided okay i i guess i'll obey you right you know what i mean like it was so reluctant you're a little slow you're not abraham you're yeah, right <laughs> i was i was gideon on that part and 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 then the stewardship responsibility is to finish strong in what you already have. Mm -hmm. So I essentially had two jobs for six months, right? Like the podcast. And the church didn't know. The church didn't know. That's 
So here's the thing that was crazy because I asked the Lord, I'm like, when he told me to start the podcast, I was like, well, you act, you're also telling me to like transition to church. So when do you want me to start? Because I did ask when he wanted me to start. I didn't just start. And he goes, I need you to start it now. He said, because I need this seed to be in the ground with roots by the time you leave. Now, at the time, I'm still thinking it's going to be September of this year. And so we started it in July, and then I got the word that 22 was my last year in August. So, and then, but we already had 25,000 subs. Well, by the t- <laughs> this is crazy. I give receipts because I can. So, um, so by the time... The, by the time that the year ended, 2022, my checks from YouTube essentially replaced my salary. Mm-hmm. But I, if I had not started when he told me to, right. that money wouldn't that have been there. That wouldn't have been working. And, he, and, and what, what he was more specific on is that my assignment in this season is not to be an itinerant speaker who has a podcast on the side. My main assignment is the podcast and he's given me a select few churches that I can speak at. So like my Sundays are only for the churches that I have commitment with, like, like Ontario and Crystal Green, Pastor Courageous Church. I'll be there on a, on a Sunday when they ask, cause I have incredible margin to do so. But if somebody else asks, I'm not coming mm-hmm. and I'm not coming because I'm booked somewhere else. I'm not coming because that's not what I do. Like, like Paul only wrote to seven churches, right? You back out first and second Timothy, Philemon and um, uh, Titus. Titus yeah. he, he only wrote to seven churches, right? So like my, my, my life is not to spend 100,000 miles a year and be out on 200 dates and right. the gospel. No, it's to sit down and speak to a generation so that they don't mess their life up. But it was stewarding your voice, too. That's part of it. That's correct. God says, here's your public voice. Correct. Here's your private voice. Yeah. And I'm going to change that around. And that was a huge faith step. Because let's be real. Yeah. Working at the church, pastor in the church was guaranteed income. Oh, yeah. But this stepping out into this podcast world was not. It it was stewarding your voice and trusting God with the results of that. Yeah. So... Um, it's interesting you talk about the voice because um, one of the things that he told me that scared me to death was uh, this, the, the voice that you have used privately to mentor and disciple people. That's the voice I need you to start speaking on the mic publicly. And my response to that was, I'm going to get canceled. Because <laughs> I was like, you know how I talk in private. <laughs> I be talking. <laughs> I be talking, I be saying stuff, <laughs> stuff that people would bristle at and get mad at and be like, you ain't saved. That's the way I talk in private. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't want me to talk like that on a hot mic. I'm going to get canceled. And he was like, green light. And I was like, that's the devil. I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. You're trying to get me canceled. And he's like, green light. And I'm like, no, green light. And I'm like, okay, you said so. So, so that's the part of the, I had to, there's a great word. I read this really thick book called The Emperor of Ocean Park uh, by, by Harvard professors. Beautiful book. Um, but the word I, I walked out with after reading all those pages was ecdysis. E-C-D-Y-S-I-S. Ecdysis. It's the shedding of a snake's skin. It sounds like exodus, right? Mm-hmm. But it's ecdysis. It's the, it's the shedding of, the, of a snake's skin. And so what I'm going through real time right now is shedding the preacher that wants to be understood by his audience. That guy can't sit down and talk like God has told him to talk Mm -hmm. uh, because he'll mess stuff up. And so it's podcasting. Me as a podcaster is really vulnerable because that's my superpower. Vulnerability is my superpower. But it's really messy as well. And I say stuff and then I'm even like, oh, Jesus, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if we should put that one out. And then he's like, green light. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK. So I, I know everybody's not going to agree with it and everybody 
um, is not going to like it. And that, and that is okay. But you are reaching more people now than you have ever reached by staying in the boat that you were familiar and comfortable with. So I've reached more people as a podcaster than I, than I reached as a preacher in 27 years. More people know me as a podcaster than knew me as a preacher. And um, I embrace that. Like, that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like a, how come you didn't let me have a successful preaching ministry like a Mike Todd and a T.D. Jakes and a Stephen Furtick? I loved what I was doing. And I loved how God was using me in that. Um, I think it was, uh, who's the guy that was on the end of our panel? Ken Clater? Ken, 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 Ken. Um, Ken was talking about, you know, obedience is the marker, not metrics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Numbers don't mean this and Instagram followers don't mean that. And, and obedience means everything. So I, I had no point of reference for the impact this season of my life was going to bring. Had I had like a, a huge profile as a preacher, then I started a podcast and it makes sense that I would have mm-hmm. 200,000 subscribers and reach 16 million people and blah, blah, blah. But because I never had any of those metrics and now I do, it was kind of like, oh, okay, if you say so. Mm-hmm. But I've reached literally like celebrities, entertainers. They're all in my DMs like, can you pray for me? Can I come see you? Can I come visit with you? What you said really resonated with me. So I had to realize like, okay, I'm no longer preaching to church people. I'm literally talking to the world. Um, that is part of our Matthew 28 mandate. Yes. And um, it, it, it's so, it's, it's uncomfortable for me and I'm shedding the skin anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going through the ecstasis because I want to reach the people that he tells me to reach. Well, that's, it seems to me that it's, it, you don't struggle with insecurity, but at the same time, you are insecure about shedding that to be who God is calling you to. Yeah. Because cause giving yourself permission to be someone completely different than you've always been, mm-hmm. that takes bravery. Yeah. Like if all you've ever known is pastoring and then he tells you to start like a car dealership, <laughs> you're going to need to see your therapist because <laughs> you're going to have an identity crisis. You know what I mean? And I have I spend uh, between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a year on my mental health. Like you can't do what I'm doing and just go to your prayer closet. Like you need mm-hmm. a therapist. Like you better yeah. have one or you're not going to you're not going to do well. So, um uh I I've been able to navigate this season because I've been honest with myself and honest with my my people about where I am and what I'm feeling, but I I'm, I'm when you can't do it brave, do it scared. And when I st- I started this podcast scared like you and can it still literally sounds like you hold it pretty loosely. There's enough fear in there of being comfortable in this new skin. That yeah, God's it's probably I, I imagine it, it, it's going to take me about a, a another year or so before mm-hmm. I'm really like. But, but it's it's really just too new. Like like me being here talking to you right now about this is this is two months and a week into this being full time. <laughs> it's not like two years and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm an influencer. Yeah. What about it? God's good. Like, that's not, it's not what this is. Like, I'm literally still like, I know somebody in here don't like my podcast. Like, you know what I mean? And probably hates that you're sitting down with me right now. So that's why God told me to go to the basement so I can have the conversations that everybody's either thinking about or want to talk about. They don't have a safe place to do it. And so we're just down there to talk about all the things. Mm -hmm. And some of them are wildly uncomfortable. Um, and I'm very comfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm fine with it and I'm here for all the smoke. So Ooh, I'm, yeah. I also don't mind people being mad. Yeah. I'm okay. Well, that's where God is calling you and he's giving you great influence. And I, I want to finish with this thought because I, I want people to, to understand the importance of the faith journey and the spiritual warfare and, and stepping out and, and honoring people in the, in the past and what, what got you to where you are. All those things are great. And God is 
given you so much more influence and this mm. thing has exploded, not because of any marketing or anything you've done. God has just put his favor all over this. But what I love about it is even the, the name of the basement and it's keeping yourself pure yes, and keeping yourself in an attitude of humility. Yep. So would you talk about this vision mm -hmm. that you had from God, even before you knew you were going to do a podcast yep. about the basement yep. so that we can leave understanding how we must live in the basement as well. Okay, so um, I got the vision uh, for the basement in when I was 30 years old, so, so 17 and a half years ago. Uh, and it was an actual vision. You know how some people say, and I had a vision. I, ha I have a vision for this. I actually saw a vision. And in the vision, I'm walking down a street and I see a huge building that's uh, literally 100 stories tall. And it's all white. And as I'm walking up to the building from the outside, I can actually hear people on the top floor, like laughing and talking and socializing. I don't know how, but it's a vision. So I walk inside the building. It's, it's sterile, white, no art no nothing, just a white building. And I get in the elevator and there is, because I get on the lobby floor and there's an L for lobby and right above there's a button that says 100. There's no one through 99. So I press 100 and I start going up and you know, you go up that high, your ears are popping, but the higher I go, the more self-conscious I become. Like, I'm like, do I have any mustard on my shirt? Like I, are my pants wrinkled? Like I'm, I'm just very self-conscious. Get to the top floor, the doors open and there's this long hallway and there's these three steps and there's like a huge lobby and there's people talking. And as, as I was going up, I realized intrinsically that these were very important people in the body of Christ, nameless and faceless. It wasn't like there's Joyce Meyer and there's T.D. Jakes and there's Stephen Chandler and there's Charlotte Gant. Like it, it, nameless and faceless, but I knew these were important people. Mm -hmm. I take one step off that elevator to my left, the most gorgeous women I've ever seen in my life outside of Juliet <laughs> are lined all the way down the hallway with these silver chargers. They're wearing bikinis. They have these silver chargers and every sin, vice and weight you can imagine it's on these chargers to my right. The most ripped dudes you've ever seen wearing Speedos, 2% body fat, pecs, abs. They had eight packs, okay? <laughs> they were that in shape. They have those? <laughs> I guess they do. So, and they're holding charges as well, every sin, vice, and weight. So I'm thinking, this is the test. Like, you can't get to the end of that hallway and be with these guys and girls if you pick up one of these things. So I'm like, looking at my feet, walking straight ahead. You know what I mean? Like, don't look. This side don't bother me. This side. Ooh. Yeah. Don't look left. Don't look left, fam. Don't look left. So I, I get to the end of the hall. I don't pick up nothing. And you know, like when you walk in a room, like most people would at least look up at you. Like, even if they don't know you, they're like, oh. nobody did nothing. They just kept, nobody looked up. So I'm sitting there for like 15 minutes, standing there, and like nobody's looking around. About eight feet away from me, two guys are talking to each other. And I kind of look over. And they're having a conversation with each other. And I realize both of them are holding something from those chargers mm. in their hand. And I'm like, and when I noticed that, they looked back at me and were like, they noticed I wasn't holding anything, said nothing to me. Well, I realized everybody on the 100th floor is holding something from one of these chargers. Wow. So I turn around and I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be up here. <laughs> So I go back up the three steps and start walking down the hallway and now everything's to my right. And I'm like, don't look right. <laughs> get back on this elevator. So I get back to the elevator and I'm about to press L and I notice a button going down that I did not see going up. And it was a little faint B underneath the L. So I pressed it. So I go down 101 floors to the basement, to the basement. Before the doors open, I can hear voices chatter on the other side. It, it, it is worthy to note that um, uh, there were no, um, there were only the personalities up on the top floor. Like no spouses, no kids, no friends, no family. It was just the personalities. So I get down to the basement. Before the doors could open, I hear all this music and this chatter and it's all good. When the doors open, everyone turns to the elevator and they're like, 
Yeah! They start cheering. Uh-huh. And they like grab me off of the elevator. They're hugging me. They're patting me on the back. They're like, oh, he made it down here. He made it down there. <laughs> and and this guy looks at me and he goes, bro, I'm so ma- I'm so glad you made it down here. Very few people that go up there ever make it down here. What? Vision's over. Scene. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what was that? And he said, Tim, everybody's trying to make it to the top. And I've called people to come to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And and then he said, uh, if Jesus is a chief cornerstone, what floor would you want to live on? And I was like, I think I'm going to stay down here with you. (laughs) And that's when he gave me the mandate. He said, get as many people to the basement as you can. Praise the Lord. So everybody that I was mentoring at the time, I told them all the same story. You go down. Whatever up looks like, that's because God elevates you. Not because you went up a ladder. Not because you got in an elevator. Not because you you were striving for this. It's because he just puts you there. He raises people up and brings people down, right? That's not an elevator. That's a hand. You know what I mean? So you have to be in his hand. You can't be in his. He doesn't have an elevator in the same way. He doesn't have a castle. It's the only kingdom that doesn't have a castle. Why? No one's trying to attack it. Last person that thought about it wound up on the floor. So my, my mandate is for people to understand that Going high, the only way to get there is to go low. And if you would get low and allow the philosophy, that, that's what it is. The basement is a philosophy more than it is anything else. You're going to live your life a certain way. You're going to discipline your body a certain way. Yeah. You're going to live by a, a set of values mm-hmm. that allow you to do this for a lifetime without scandal yes without impropriety uh-huh. without yes any of i mean how many more pastors do we need to see fall how many more scandals do we need to see and they all have the same story like mm-hmm. it's the, the common denominator of everybody's moral failure is they stop talking they had nobody to talk to that's so good like th- think about the fact that like no one has ever, no one in the history of ever has lost their church because they want to sleep with their admin. Uh huh. I'm gonna let it marinate. The thought of sleeping with your admin is not what's gonna get you sat down. Sleeping with your admin is gonna get you sat down. But the fact that you don't even think you could tell anybody that is why you wind up doing it. Yes. Because what doesn't come up and out of your mouth through words is going to come out of your body through actions. Uh-huh. And we haven't told people, we, we're not teaching people in the church to be honest about what's happening in their minds and in their bodies. Yes. And so they wind up pinning it down, which is like shaking a two liter bottle of soda and it's all pressurized. And then that cap just gets just twisted and it sprays out everywhere. And so I'm trying to tell people to just be honest about where you are. doesn't matter how gross you think it is uh-huh. what 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 causes people to wind up acting out behaviors is because they don't have safe places to talk about it and that's why the basement exists is for us to have a safe space to talk about stuff without being judged without being sentenced and we can at least know okay now that we know that this is what is in your head and in your heart how do we navigate yes. you out of it? But we can't do that if you're not talking. Yeah. So all moral failures Beautiful. have one thing in common, the lack of communication. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's brilliant. I'm going to tell you, though, it's this idea of not running to the top. Yeah. It's running to the bottom. Absolutely. It's not chasing something that Mm-mm. is the penthouse, Mm-mm. but it's the basement and allowing God to elevate you. Yeah. And... Uh, Everybody, just, just close your eyes, if you wouldn't mind, for just a moment. And uh, can you guys bring me a mic over there, Josh?
This whole journey that you've been on, Tim, started with a prophetic word. And I believe that God has a prophetic word for you men and you women here. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know what you need to receive today, but I want your eyes closed, and I want you to begin to take an evaluation of who you are and what you're doing, what is coming at you right now, what opportunities you have, and you need to receive something from the Lord today so that you can begin to start a journey of taking what God has given you and stepping out of something. It may not be leaving your church, and I'm, I'm not saying that's the thing, but God is calling all of us to step out of what we're comfortable with doing, like our routines and living our lives the way that we are, to something that is uncomfortable so that we can give him the glory, we can race to the basement, and God can elevate us to places we can't do on our own. Franklin or somebody come out on the keys for a moment. If some of you guys, if you're in here today right now and you'd say, you know what? I'm ready to step into something new, whatever God has for me. I want you to stand up right now, wherever you are. If you're tired of living in the comfortable, the same thing, living your life and stewarding your opportunities the way you are. If you're ready to just step into something new, you don't get to pick what it is. You don't get to call when it happens. You just are ready to live with a palms up principle saying, God, I'm releasing everything that I have in my life to follow after you. That's right. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, just sit in it right here for a moment. take off the clothing the titles the badges that you've either allowed others to put on you because it made you feel better or you put on yourself because it uncovered an area of your own insecurity because now people related to the badge and the title without actually pushing beyond that to the person inside. And we're just in a time and we're in a season where if we wanna see the victory that God has planned for His people, it will not be with the sword of a Saul. It will be with the sling and the stone. And we have generations that are grabbing swords that were once yielded by their hero in the faith or their spiritual mentor or someone that they admired from afar. And they are picking up the sword saying, I want that anointing and I want that calling and I want that profile and I want that church. And I want that reputation and they're picking up the sword and they're putting on the armour and the enemy has a whole changing room where he is happily placing on you things that were never intended to be worn by you. And you're wondering why this title, this badge, this thing is so heavy. And you've said to yourself, well, it's because that's the burden of ministry. That's the weight of the responsibility. But I'm here to tell you, says the Lord, some of the things that are on your shoulders, I never asked you to place on your shoulders. And some of the badges that you are wearing were not given by me, but you went into the changing room of man. And you went into a place where Saul offered you armour and there was a sword laying on the side and you saw the victories that it was known for. And now you want to be known for the same victories. And now you live in the shadow of the Saul because you're using his sword and you're wearing his clothes, but you do not have his same reputation. And so no one will ever see that you are actually David and no one will ever see that you are actually the songwriting boy and no one will ever see that actually you have a heart that is very different than the heart that you're portraying. 
For how can they see it while you are walking around in clothes I never made for you and holding a sword that was never waited for you? It is the wrong mantle. It is the wrong sword. Some of you are saying, but God, I've worn it for so long. It is my identity. It is my security. God said, that's exactly the problem. That's why every victory is also yours and every success is also yours and every step is also yours and every troop is also yours and every young officer is also yours. They do not belong to you. So you ask yourself, But where do I go from here? What will people say? How do I put down what I've held for so long and made such a big deal about holding? How do I even take the armor off in my own family where I don't let them see what is beneath the suit? How do I even let people know that the revelation I profess to be my own is a borrowed sword? How do I even come clean that the things that I'm speaking are not even things that I myself am seeing? But how will you ever live free? Therefore, your choice is just like David's choice was. For he also put the armor on for a moment. But eventually he had to turn and say, this does not fit me. It was not made for me. This is too heavy for me. And his admittance didn't remove him from the battle. (laughs) See, some of you are frightened that your admittance that the armour is too heavy and the sword is too heavy will remove you from the battle. But it was only when he took the armour off and he laid the sword down that he reminded himself of the sling and of the stone. And now with a new ease, he was able to walk to the front line. (laughs) And now with a new accuracy, he was able to speak out the words. And now with a new precision, he was able to take the very tool that he had always had available to him and aim it in a direction that he never believed was possible. (laughs) And with the breath, of the wind of the Spirit behind the stone that He released was the anointing that took down a giant. It makes no sense that a small stone can bring a giant to its knees. It makes no sense that the power is in a sling when we all know the power should be in the sword. It makes no sense that one can do what thousands should really have to do. It makes no sense that someone so small can have an impact so big. (laughs) But I am looking in a world of souls for the Davids. I am looking in a plethora of armour for the one that will step forward in the anointing. I'm looking at an ocean of swords and asking, where is the sling? I'm looking at all of the plans and all of the strategies and asking, where is the Spirit? Goliath 
Israel. Intimidation is real. And you have a choice to make. For Goliath will fall. And you can choose to do it with a thousand strategies and a thousand shiny suits in your leadership and a thousand impressive swords that you will produce. Or you can say, I want to be the one that in the face of Goliath stands under the authority of heaven. Stop making this complicated. Give up the armour, lay down the sword and get back to your sling and your stone, says the Lord. you, Jesus. Can we just take a moment and can you honor Lord for the word that he's speaking to you? If you're receiving that word right now, would you give God your praise? Would you acknowledge the word that God has given you today? Come on, pastors. Come on, leaders. Yes. And what I charge you with now is to go out and listen to it again and follow what the Lord has said and follow it and speak to leaders and talk to people around you and test it with your spouse. And let's see where the Lord takes us as we receive God. The sword is not mine, but the sling you give me. What is in my hand? God, I'm going to use it for your glory in Jesus name. Come on, give God some praise. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.